Anybody have any idea where we're going to be this morning? (laughs) Colossians chapter 1. I thought about picking a different passage to jump out of just to kind of throw you off, but it didn't work out this morning. Colossians chapter 1. I had the uh, opportunity to finish our last series uh, that we did talking about uh, Bible doctrines, why, what we believe, and, uh, and I remember at the end of that when I said, we have a plan that we're going to do next, but I'm not telling you what it is. Well, I'm not going to do that to you <laughs> this morning. I'll tell you what our plan is next, because if you're looking at this, you're going, okay, we said 9 through 14, and Andy already said that I was doing 12 through 14, so where are we going after this, all right? So we're going to be taking our time and going through a verse-by-verse study, or maybe passage-by-passage study, of the book of John, starting June 4th? Is it the 4th? I can't remember. The first week of June, whatever that is. Is it the 4th? All right. Claire's birthday. All right. We'll have cake. Um, June 4th, we're going to be starting through the book of John. And we're going to be going verse by verse, and some of you are going, that's scary, because it took you four weeks to go through six verses. There's 15,000 plus verses in the book of John. How long is that going to take us? (laughs) Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but I don't think it'll take us uh, one verse per week. I think we'll go a little bit faster than that. But uh, I know that we're excited as elders to be able to, to go through that, to preach that, to go through it, and just help us get a picture, really, of who we're going to talk about this morning. Get a better understanding from... John's perspective of who Christ is as we go through the book of John. And, and um, Jeff is going to start us off next week with, uh, with an overview. So make sure you're here next week to kind of get jumping right in, get an overview of where we're going uh, in the book of John. Uh, also, next Sunday morning during the Bible school class, we'll be finishing up um, with just some final thoughts on today's message. But wrapping up this uh, this series, it, it comes perfectly. It's interesting. I don't think any of us thought about it, you know, real real clearly as we were looking at the verses in Colossians and and looking at you know what we what we see as um, elements of a maturing disciple of Christ. But it's amazing how the Lord kind of works things out sometimes to where the passage that we have this morning fits perfectly with what we're about to. Uh, participate in later uh, in communion. And, uh, and so I want you to think about that as we're going through this passage, as we're looking at these verses, keep in mind what we're going to be talking about here in just a few minutes with communion time. All right. So we've gone through, I won't make you read it again uh, since we've already read it once this morning, but we've gone through verses 9, 10, and 11. We're going through verses 12 through 14 uh, this morning. In verse 9, we had um, David Stralo taught verse 9. It was talking about being filled with the knowledge of the will of God, right? And he took us through and he gave us six clear statements in Scripture as to what the will of God is for our life, right? But obviously, the will of God is more than just those six statements. You know, we have to understand the entirety of the Word of God because that's where we find the will of God. And so, the prayer of Paul for the Colossians is that they would be filled with the knowledge of the, of the will of God through study of the Word of God. All right, next we had uh, Jeff who was teaching on 
verse 10, and, in, and he was, the phrase there specifically is, um, walking worthy of the Lord. All right, so we have being filled with the knowledge of the will of the Lord, and we have walking worthy of the Lord. That's kind of the next step, is it not, when it comes to being a mature disciple of Christ, is to know the Word of God and then do the Word of God, right? James tells us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only, right? So there's a, there's a fleshing out of what we've come to know that should be evident in our life in the way that we act, right? So... Um, Jeff took us through that in verse 10. Last week and this morning, Eric was talking about uh, verse 11, which is kind of a little bit of a broader statement, or a longer statement, I should say. We have, um, we go through these difficult times and these trials in our lives, and God has called us to go through them with endurance and patience and joy, right? Those are Those are some things that, you know, we don't, automatically think go together all the time in our human experience, endurance and patience and joy. We, we often tend to kind of separate those out because joy doesn't seem to always go along with endurance and patience. But for a maturing believer, a maturing disciple of Christ, we are able to go through those not because we're super Christians, but because of what the verse says, we have God's strength, Right? So we have the strength of the Lord that enables us to go through trials and tribulations, the hard times of life, with endurance, with patience, and with joy. And so we come this morning to uh, verses 12 through 14. I do want to read those very quickly um, and then uh, take a second and just bow before the Lord before we get into this this morning. But Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 12, says, right after uh, it says, you know, with all endurance and patience, with joy, we have giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's uh, pause for a word of prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and... uh I'm just hit by the words of that last song, Lord. Jesus, thank you. We have so much to be thankful for, Lord, as we come before you in in this place. Your provision is so evident. The ability for us to meet together in in a building owned by a government that in all, for all intents and purposes, does not honor you. Lord, we, uh, we understand that you are in control of everything and we thank you for everything that you have done for us and specifically for the things that we're going to look at this morning, Lord. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for what he has done for us on the cross. And I pray that as we look at these writings from Paul this morning, that we would be drawn closer uh, to you, that we would become more like Christ and how we um, respond to you because of what we see in your word this morning. Father, I pray that you would work through your words. Help me to, to not be in the way. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. What is your favorite holiday? Probably have different holidays that people like. You know, maybe it's Valentine's Day because it's chocolate. You know, who doesn't like chocolate? Maybe it's Christmas because it's a time where usually you get together with family. You know, we celebrate Christ's birth. You know, we have presents. 
things like that. You know, it's Christmas is probably the major one. Um, if you want to be ultra spiritual, it's Easter, of course, because we celebrate the resurrected Christ, right? I've, obviously, that's my favorite holiday. My favorite holiday, um, I must admit, has very little to do with family, friends, Jesus. Mostly has to do with food. Um, my favorite holiday is commonly referred to as Turkey Day, um, because that's my favorite food. <laughs> um, so my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, right? So, and, and, and as I get older, I'm getting better about, you know, understanding there's, there's a, a purpose to Thanksgiving other than the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the turkey and the, you know, cheesy potatoes and the turkey. And the, 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 you know, chocolate chip pecan pie. Is anybody taking notes? Just write this down. All right. Um, there, there's more to it than just the food, but I have to admit, it's my favorite meal. I mean, holiday. It's my favorite holiday because I like the food. But there's another purpose for Thanksgiving other than just getting together and all gorging on a massive meal and watching football, right? There's, there's another purpose, and that purpose is to... Give thanks, right? Give thanks. Hey, that was good. Let's try it. It's to give thanks. Very good. All right. Man, people are really into it this morning. I like that. All right. So there's a, there's a broader purpose. There's a bigger purpose. There's a better purpose than just food for Thanksgiving. And that's a time for us to, that our country has set aside, amazingly enough, to, to stop and pause and give thanks. And as we look at these verses this morning, we're looking at Paul is coming with this element of, of a maturing disciple. And he says this element is the element of giving thanks. That's the first two words in this verse, right? Giving thanks. Now, um, giving thanks. <laughs> that right there is, is a good question, is it not? <laughs> Are you a person who gives thanks? Are you a very thankful person? You know, I'll be perfectly perfectly honest with you. There are times I'm not a very thankful person because I'm also a very selfish person, especially when there's not chocolate chip pecan pie at Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not very thankful. But are you a thankful person? Do you look at other people and do you see the things that they do for you and are you grateful? All right? That's That's a very... Good question from the first two words that Paul's asking us. Are you a grateful person or are you a complainer? Are you somebody that everything that happens in your life, you, you find the negative. You see the bad things that are going on. You don't see, you don't see the positive things. It's not just about being positive, but you're, you're so, you're so negative about it that you complain about it. That you're not, you can't see the good things to even be thankful for because everything's just yeah, it's not that great. It could be better, you know. Is that is that the type of attitude you have? I, I, I have to be honest with you. There are times I'm that way, and when I'm that way, Paul's saying you are not displaying the ele- an element of a maturing disciple, because a maturing disciple is someone who is giving thanks, someone who is known as a person who gives thanks. Now, there's a caveat. To this, because he doesn't just stop at giving thanks, right? And if you look at our, our Thanksgiving, we have we celebrate Thanksgiving all over the United States, right? Now, 
is the majority of the United States disciples of Christ? They're not. All right? The majority of the United States are not disciples of Christ. They, uh, we call ourselves a Christian nation by name, but uh, in reality, they're not. And so when, when probably the majority of the, of the United States sits down to their Thanksgiving meal and they think about, what am I thankful for? Who are they thankful to? Well, they might be thankful to their family who provides for them. They might be thankful to friends who, who do kind things for them or have stuck with them through the years. Or they might be thankful to some force <laughs> of, you know, whatever that they don't know how they got to where they are, but, you know, I'm thankful to the universe, whatever that means, right? Paul's very specific here about who we are to be thankful to, right? So it's not just this general attitude of thankfulness that Paul's talking about, which that is going to come out. If we're being thankful correctly in this passage, we're going to be thankful in other ways as well. So while that is true, that being generally thankful is an, is an example of what's going on in your heart, really he's talking about something very specific. He says, giving thanks to whom? To the Father, right? Now, he's not talking about his dad. He's not talking about a Catholic priest. You know, he's talking about who? God, right? I know, it's Sunday morning. You can speak. All right, he's talking about God. He's talking about the creator of the universe. He's talking about our Father, the one that we run to. Those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, they understand that they've been adopted by God into His family, right? So He is our Father. And He says, giving thanks, not just this general concept of, I'm a thankful person, I'm a grateful person, but specifically, giving thanks to the Father. And, you know, it's really easy to just kind of read through these things, you know, and, you know, here's this verse, and then there's this verse. But when you stop and really think about each word, you know, Paul wrote these words specifically for reasons. You know, he wasn't just going, ah, oh, this sounds good, let's write this, you know. They were there for a reason. He says, giving thanks to the Father. And as I was looking at that, I was thinking, when's the last time that I just stopped everything I was doing, went and found a quiet place, not to, not to confess sin, not to um, fast and, and, and pray for some need, but just to thank God for what He's done for me. I'll be honest with you. Generally, when we pray, I mean, other than, thank you, Lord, for this meal, please bless it to our bodies, amen. I mean, let's be honest. Are we really thanking God? How often do we come to the Lord and it's either a confession of sin, which that's probably not nearly often enough, or it's saying, God, we need you. God, we need you to fix this. God, we need you to, to help us through this struggle. We need you to, to do something. And yet, how often do we take the time to just say, God, thank you for what you've done? He says, giving thanks to the Father. And I know in my own life, that is, that is rare. It's rarer than it should be. Because He has done a lot of great things for us. In fact, we're going to look at Him here in just a minute. Just three of them. He has done so much for us. The very fact that you are here this morning is a gift. And yet we take it all so lightly, do we not? We take it all as if, well, this is just life. Every breath 
we breathe is a gift from God. And yet how often are we on our knees thanking him for what he has done for us? Giving thanks to the Father. That's an element of a maturing disciple of Christ. You know, some of those other things you can look at and be like, you know, no, I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm, I'm reading the word, you know, I'm trying to live the right way, I'm trying to have good attitude, you know, when I'm going through these struggles in life, you know, I'm, I'm, I really feel like I'm growing in these areas. <laughs> it's easy to kind of, kind of say, yeah, I've got, I've got that, <laughs> right? I'm a maturing follower of Christ, but you come to this, when's the last time you did that? And if you're going, eh, I don't know, we're missing one. There's a very important element of being a maturing disciple of Christ that we're missing. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times, even as a church, we miss this. You know, we spend maybe a short prayer during songs or a short prayer before a message. How much time do we spend as a church thanking God for what He's done for us? That starts individually. If we're not doing it individually, we won't do it as a church. Thanking, giving thanks to the Father. Why? Why? Well, let's be honest. We could probably fill up more time than I have <laughs> just with things that God has done for us. Reasons to give thanks to God. Can we not? We, we can sit here. I mean, we've had testimony services where we've almost had to just cut it off on fifth Sunday because, you know, people just kept popping up with more things to say. And that's awesome. That's great. But, uh, you know, I want to focus really on what, what Paul's talking about here. He gives us three specific things to thank God for, all right? And there's a purpose for it. These aren't just three random things. These aren't just the first three things that popped into his head, I, for, I would imagine. <laughs> Maybe they were because that's what he was focusing on. We'll get to that in a minute. But these are three very specific things that Paul is praying that the Colossians will grow and they're giving thanks to God for doing. All right, so let's look at the first one. Right there in verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father First, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We could probably park on this for the rest of the time. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to try to go through it quickly. Think about those words. Who has qualified you? Who has qualified you? I was thinking about qualifying, you know. First thing that popped in my mind, of course, was the Olympics, swimming, right? When you watch the Olympics swimming on TV, you see... These people, and they, and it seems like they're on like every night. Like, there's only like eight races. What's the deal? Why are they on so often? <laughs> you know? But it's because they have qualifying races, right? They have races that they swim. Same thing in running. They have races they run. If you're a NASCAR fan, shame on you. I mean, no, if you're a NASCAR fan, they have a qualifying race, right? I think it's the day before. And, uh, and so you qualify. You have to hit a minimum target, right? You have to be so good in order to be worthy of being in the race. God has given us that same thing. He's given us a mark. In order to have fellowship with Him, He's given us a mark to be worthy of. What does Romans 3.23 say? Somebody's got it. For all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. The idea there is that there is a standard that has been made and every human alive has come short of it. We're not able to reach that standard, and that standard is perfection. It's what He is. And we have all failed. We've all fallen. We have all missed the qualifying mark when it comes to a relationship with God. 
But what is it that we're supposed to be thankful for? To God. To giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. Think about that. He's looked at someone who has failed miserably, tripped and fallen and bruised and bloodied and muddied himself on the track, didn't even finish the race. And he's looked at them and he says, you know what? Because of what Christ did, you get to run a new race. You're qualified. It's not something we could do. Romans 3 tells us that. There's no way that we could have ever qualified without God. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Qualified you. For what? What does he say? Who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What is that? <laughs> what is that? What does it mean to share in the inheritance of the saints and light? Well, let's, let's go to the end. All right. So we've got what is saints and light? Who are they? The saints, right? The disciples of Christ, those who are following after Christ, right? Those who have accepted his authority and his leadership and have put themselves under him, who have accepted what he has done on the cross, right? They are the saints and light. That's who he's talking about. All right. So he says, He's qualified us to share in the inheritance of those people. What is that inheritance? What? Heaven. Heaven. That's part of it. Right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take time to, to lay it all out for you. There's a lot. There's a lot. If you take time and you go through the scriptures and read, there's a lot when it comes to the inheritance of the saints in light. We are going to rule and reign with Christ. We will be with Him for all eternity. There will be, we will be with Him in a place with no sin, no death, no tears. Everything that we don't like about our earth will be gone. And it will be perfect. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who guides us, who teaches us. And there's so much more that we in our dirty and dismal state could never qualify for. But it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, who has literally said, you are worthy. You are worthy to share in this inheritance. That's amazing. We haven't even gotten to the other two. (laughs) I mean, if that alone doesn't cause us to fall on our knees and say, wow, God, thank you. We've got something wrong, do we not? There's something wrong with our heart. Because just that very fact alone that He has given us, He has qualified us to share in that magnificent future. And even in things as we go along this journey here that are part of the inheritance of the saints in life. It's amazing. And yet how often do we even think about it? Is it only every fourth week? When we come to communion, is it only every Sunday when we come and we are reminded by the songs, oh yeah, Jesus, thank you, that's right, I forgot. Or is it a daily thing where we are coming before God and saying, God, thank you that you have qualified me who didn't deserve it to be a part of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's the first thing. The second thing, second reason why we should give thanks to God is found in verse 13. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Right? He has delivered us 
from the domain of darkness. And I know it goes on, but I'm going to split them up. All right? He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. When I think of delivery, I'm not thinking pizza. I'm talking, I'm thinking deliverance. Sorry. <laughs> deliverance, not delivery, right? All right. So when, it, when I think of deliverance, from a biblical standpoint anyway, what do you think I think of? What? Being rescued, right? Being rescued. What's a good illustration of that? What? Exodus, right? That's the first place my mind go. You know, that in the, the, the song from the Moses movie, Deliver us, you know. Um, and now it's in your head. <laughs> um, no, d- deliver. That's the idea that I get when I think of deliverance. I, I think of these the children of Israel in bondage, in slavery, in Egypt for 400 years until God sends Moses who didn't really do anything, really. He just kind of kept going up before Pharaoh and saying, let my people go, right? Um, God did it. And and that's a perfect example, is it not? In fact, the New Testament writers give us that example as a description of what Christ has done for us. But in Romans chapter 6, turn there really quickly, Romans chapter 6, we see this concept here. The fact that we've been delivered from the domain of darkness. I'm going the wrong way. Romans. All right, I'm going to read this quickly because there's, there's a lot here. This is my favorite book because <laughs> it is just chock full of amazing stuff. I mean, if you want to study Bible doctrine, study Romans. <laughs> it, is, it is massive. All right, so Romans chapter 6. Um, let's read in, starting verse 5. For if we have been united with him, talking about Christ, In a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Okay? Did you catch that? We are free from Christ because we were enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Catch that word? For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Let not, in Christ Jesus, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. What did he say in Colossians chapter 1? He said that he has delivered us. He has set us free from something. He has broken the chains of bondage, much like he did the children of Israel back in Egypt. He has broken the chains of bondage, the dominion of darkness. He's talking about sin. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about the fact that we were children of Satan. We were slaves of sin. Nothing we could do, just like the fact that we could in no way qualify For the inheritance of the saints on our own, we could in no way rescue ourselves from sin. That's a sad plot, is it not? To look at that and say, 
there literally is no hope. You've got to think over 400 years, the people in Egypt, the Israelites, some of them had to be thinking, there's no hope. And many of them died under bondage. Many, many, many of them never saw the deliverance of God. But if you're sitting here today and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're following after Him, He has delivered you. He has broken the chains of bondage of sin and given you the strength to go free. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. You know, that word domain is very interesting. It has an idea of being ruled, right? But it doesn't guarantee that the ruler is worthy of ruling you. It just means that they have control over you. Remember in Ephesians, or Romans chapter 6, it was mentioned, dominion, right? The dominion of sin. Because he says, you've, God has delivered you from this dominion, this bondage, from someone who doesn't deserve to hold you, who doesn't deserve to have you. Because it's interesting, the next thing that he says is, and transferred you, or us, where? To the kingdom. Kingdom's a different word. Even in the Greek, I looked it up just to make sure. All right? Kingdom's a different word here. The word kingdom implies that the person or people in charge have a right to be there. Generally, it's a king or queen or both. So we have two different types of authority here. And it says that God has delivered us from under the authority of one who has no right to hold us, yet does because of sin. And he's not only just delivered us from that to try to live and figure out this life on our own, but he has transferred us. He said, you're no longer under him. You've been transferred. You are now a member. You are now a part of the kingdom who is, that is ruled by an authority, by the one who has the right to rule. You've been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of who? The Son of God. The Son of God. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. That's why we should give thanks. That's why we should give thanks. Yeah, there's lots of reasons we could give thanks to God. And we could even talk about you know, the food that He's provided. We can talk about all these other, quite frankly, insignificant things in our lives that we put up on pedestals. When in reality, the main thing that we should be thanking God for on a daily, if not minute-by-minute minute basis, is that Christ has redeemed us. Why these three things? Verse 14. Why these three things? In whom, talking about His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're going to look at the next few verses next week in Sunday school. In whom we have redemption. Why does He have the right to be the King in the kingdom? Because it's through Him we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. He has paid the price. And He has set us free. And because of that, He is worthy to rule and reign in our life. And because of what He's done, He's, he's set us free 
from the bondage of sin to walk in a new way, to serve a new master who is, as we talked about on, on men's Bible study, whose yoke is light and gentle. That's the, that's the new master. That's not the dominion of the old master. That's the new master. And God has done that for us. And if we, as disciples of Christ, are not consistently reflecting on what Jesus Christ has done for us, not just on Sunday, every fourth Sunday, every Sunday, every day of every week, if we are not focusing on what Christ has done for us, our focus will be on something else. And we will fail to display this final element that he gives us of discipleship. Now, we kind of have it easy this morning because we get to take time to reflect. But I challenge us as we go throughout our week this week, as we wake up tomorrow morning, are we reflecting on what Christ has done for us? And not only are we reflecting on it, but then are we spending time thanking God for what he has done? Thanking God for choosing us, qualifying us, saying you are worthy because of what Christ did to receive the inheritance of the saints. Not only that, but I'm going to take you, I'm going to break the bondage of sin that is on your life, and I'm going to let you walk in a new life, in a relationship with me, in the kingdom, under the rule of the one who gave his life. Are we thinking about that this week? I hope so. Four things, elements of a discipleship we see. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will. Then putting that knowledge to work. And obeying God's will. Living a life that is worthy, right? Thirdly, doing so with endurance and patience and joy, not in our own strength, but in the strength that comes from the Lord. And then, really, I think the reason why we can do that is because we're focusing on the one who has done so much for us. Giving thanks for what he's done for us. Man, if you would come for the communion time. I want to just take a quick minute. I know we don't always do this, um, but I just want to take a second and have everybody bow your head, close your eyes, and just take a minute or two and think about what Christ has done for you. Take some time and just thank God for what he has done for us. His enemies, he's made his friends. Spend just a minute in prayer before we partake of the elements.